say another Hail Mary, it wouldn't hurt. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us a fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, and instruct the hearts of your faithful by lay the Holy Spirit. Granted by the same Spirit, may be truly wise, and never rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Lady Guadalupe. Pray for us. Saint Joseph. Pray for us. Saint Ignatius Loyola. Pray for us. Saint Lucy. Pray for us. God's angels and saints. Pray for us. Good evening. Topic will be in preparation for Christmas. Christmas, what is the reason for the season, as the poet says? That's right. Yeah, uh, presents. But we can interpret what what present means. No, a person more than a thing, right? So you all have your sheets, worksheets. For many, Christmas is simply a time to celebrate. Time and season to have a lot of fun. Eating, drinking, partying, viewing shows, movies, YouTube clips. Is the essence of Christmas for huge numbers. It's the reality, right? For most. Let's go through the pagan figures that I've written down for you. Who are the persons that play a key role in Christmas? Well, there's Santa Claus. If you've ever from, been from the East Coast, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> you brought up and raised in the East Coast. These are key figures for we who live in the snowy weather, huh? For us, there's a deeper meaning for Christmas. Going beyond the paganistic, materialistic, hedonistic view of Christmas, there is a truly authentic reason for the season. Our response, Jesus, is the authentic reason for the season. Sounds like a poet, right? I'm a poet and I don't even know it, right? <laughs> The real gift that God wants us to receive is not so much a material gift. Rather, the gift is a person. That person is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. If you take Jesus out of Christmas, it's like taking our heart from our body. We simply die. Therefore, let us do all within our power to set the stage for Christmas. Let us strive to do all in our power to be prepared, ready for the most important birthday in the history of humanity. So we set the stage, right? Season. 
season leading up to Christmas? Advent. That was our topic, what, three, three weeks ago, right? So whose birthday do we celebrate on Christmas? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Ask your children that. They may be, you may be surprised at their response. Hmm? You might be surprised. I'm actually giving this class for your kids. So I gave this class today at, at 4.30. So you're, you're getting the same class that your kids get. Okay? You'd be surprised how many teenagers and children, what, what's, whose birthday is, is on Christmas? Oh, Santa Claus, no? You'd be surprised. So where was Jesus actually born? He was born? That's right. It's easier to say in Spanish than English, right? Belen, huh? English is a, almost like a tongue twister. Bethlehem. No? So what is the na- name... What does the name Jesus really mean? Okay, Savior. Savior, the archangel Gabriel said, his name is Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. Interesting, he says Jesus, then he will save the people from their sins. So that being the case, Jesus saved us from what and who? Saved us from... First, slavery to sin. Slavery to sin. And next would be from slavery to the devil. Slavery to sin, slavery to the devil. Another would be sadness. Sadness. People are sad because they don't have God in their hearts. It's as simple as that. You don't have God in your heart, you're going to be sad. And many confuse pleasure with joy. Pleasure you can buy. That depends upon external stimuli, right? But joy is 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 one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to obtain joy then? Joy comes by being open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if you're open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, then you have the fruits. And one would be peace and joy. Do you know? Well, I think you know. The, the, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Go ahead. We mentioned them the other day, right? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, uh, counsel, fortitude, fear of the Lord, and piety. Right? But the first person who's ever been able to do that good, I mentioned it, but you have a photographic memory, right? No. Hasn't been developed yet, but it's. (laughs) 
You're working, no? It's good, no? Just a word more on the gifts. Uh, uh, the fathers of the church, and this was probably written probably 1,500 years ago, but it's still understandable. Here's this analogy. So try to imagine that you want to um, you want to cross a lake, and it's five miles. So uh, you decide, okay, you're gonna you're gonna swim, okay? <laughs> Probably not can get too far, right? And you decide that you're going to be going in a canoe by yourself. Well, probably get some blisters, right? So, uh, so Lydia and Kim get in a rowboat, and so they're, you know, and they're making it, but probably not going to make it too far. So, ah. Someone has an idea. How, how about getting a sailboat? Sailboat. And you got seven sails. And you got the captain there. Any professional sailors here? No. Well, I'm not a professional sailor. I know a little bit about it. As in, my parents have a house in New Hampshire and they have a house overlooking... Lake Sunapee. So their house is actually on the water side, no? They say it's been Miramar. You know, a beautiful house on and I'm watching the sailors. It all depends on Really? Some of them they they never get off the dock. Oh they get out of the dock but they don't get out of the water. <laughs> Others there they're going very slow. Others are moving at a normal pace. Others, they're really moving. It all depends on... Yeah, exactly. The direction of the wind. So, th this is the analogy. The lake is the world in which we live in. River, better said. Well, there's a lot of tempest. There's a lot of sometimes difficult traveling. The ship is your soul. Seven sails are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. The wind is the breath of the Holy Spirit. And the shore is heaven. Like that? night, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Those are the fathers of the church. I mean, this is 1,500 years ago. But I've read a lot. I don't think I've ever read any, a better analogy than that. So the, the ship is our soul. The veil, those seven veils are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you got the wind would be the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. And the captain is basically your will. You decide how to direct it. But you have to be able to be aware of the, the movement of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How about that? A little talk on mystical theology tonight, right? 
You started it all out. Good. Wisdom is the first. And wisdom would be, I, I really like the de, how to define it in Spanish. Some of you are pretty good in Spanish. Saborear las cosas de Dios. Saborear. I like language. Some of you are pretty good in Spanish. Saborear. You know what that means? To savor, to relish. No? Saborear las cosas de Dios. To savor, to relish the things of God. That's what wisdom is. So, if you... What are manifestations of wisdom? Well, you want to pray. You love to come to formation classes on Tuesday. I mean, you're doing cartwheels, right? <laughs> you're doing cartwheels. Oh, it's Tuesday night. Oh, God, baby. Oh, oh I, can't, I can't wait. I'm looking. It's true. Yeah, it's true. I, I think I'm going to have another week in purgatory for my my vanity, huh? <clears throat> you want to go to mass. You want to do the exercises. You want to read a good book on Mary. You know? All those things are manifestations of the gift of wisdom. Yes. Let me just mention one that we'll get back because uh, we have to talk also about the Holy Spirit and the gifts, your kids are going to be confirmed. They should be aware of these gifts. Now, for you as adults, it's very important that you have the gift of counsel. Okay? Counsel, because we've got, we got our theologian on my right, it, it, it perfects the moral virtue of prudence. And counsel and prudence are the art of decision-making. Okay? So it perfects, very important for you adults, huge, the art of decision-making. For example, I will sometimes ask you, okay, um, your, your children, they're going to go to college. You know? I'll ask that. Maybe they're going to go to college. Where? Very important decision. And, and a lot of people here in the United States, I mean, you're born in another country. And I'm not tooting my horn, but I probably know the academic, academic higher education system better than you, probably. Number one, because I went through it many years ago. But part of the charism of my family's education. So much of the, my, my, my dad built a school. I have a brother that's your age. He built a school. He's got eight kids. So he's very interested in education. My father, before he died, was on the Cardinal Newman Society, which is the society, you probably know, which is able to pick out the best Catholic. My dad was on the, on the board before he passed away. So um, I invite the parents to sometimes sit down and talk with me about where you want to send your kid to college. And I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you a free 15, 20 minutes. Of free, I'll do it for free, you know. But that's huge. You know, if you, if you make a wrong decision, your son or daughter could lose their soul for all eternity. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. A wrong decision in 
in, in, in two things, a wrong decision in academics and a wrong decision in vocation. Vocation means these are the two most important decisions your kids are going to have to make. Where are they going to go to college? And probably most of them are called to get married. Probably. Maybe some are called to become priests, I hope. No? Or religious. You make a wrong decision in that area, their lives can be ruined. You know who is the best criteria for a future boyfriend or girlfriend for your son or daughter? Can I tell you? You parents. But I said there's probably someone even better. Me. Really. Because you're, you're clouded a little bit with emotion. But for me, it's pure intelligence. Okay, intelligence and faith. Where you, women especially tend to be clouded by their emotions. Men, too. It's never happened yet that a young person come, Father, this is a future girlfriend I'm going to choose. What do you think about it? It hasn't happened. But I think you should. Because my criteria is, uh, excuse my New York English, a good-looking babe, and that's not the most important thing. A uh, good-looking babe, okay, fine, no? But most important, is this, is this girl, girl that you're married going to get you to heaven? You never heard that before, did you? That, that's the first criteria. What, what, what is the materialistic criteria for many girls? They want, okay, you ready? It's um, the five B's. You know what they are? Can I tell you? It's an acronym. The five, the, uh, typical Ameri uh, American material, she wants a guy that's got um, brains, brawn, Beauty and big bucks. How about that? <laughs> five Bs, huh? <laughs> Remember those five Bs, okay? Huh? Tell that to Grace, huh? huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brains. Brawn. You know what brawn is? Brawn is muscles. Brawn. Brain. Brawn. Beauty. And big bucks. They're called the five Bs, huh? I haven't read that in the Bible yet, have you? <laughs> okay, so if you have if you have counsel, it perfects the moral virtue of uh, of prudence. And the prudence is the art of decision making. This I'm giving you Thomas Aquinas now, okay? The mini course on Thomism, okay? We studied with Thomas Aquinas for seven years. So I know a little bit. Of, I know a little bit about Thomas Aquinas. So to make a prudential act, there are three steps, which would be deliberation, decision, and imperation of the will, which means carried out. As Aquinas is imperation of the will, which would technical theological word is. You know, deliberate. You know what that means? Think it through. Deliberate. Think it through. Okay. Then after deliberation, decision, you have to decide. Then after decision, you have to carry it out. Otherwise, you're, you're going to be a perpetual procrastinator. Yeah. So, 
deliberation, deliberation is a technical word. Think it out seriously. Then you have to decide. Then you've got to carry it out. Okay, now, now let me connect this from Aquinas to St. Ignatius now, okay? Connect the Ignatian discernment process. Okay, when you decide something so important as this, if you really loved someone and you wanted the best for this person, maybe you met someone and you want the best, what advice would you give them? Second criteria would be, what decision would you like to have made if you're on your deathbed? Uh-oh. What decision would you like to have made if you're seated, you're before the judgment seat of Jesus, already judged, you're about to be judged by Jesus Christ? This is St. Ignatius now. Pretty good, isn't it? Well, okay, the, the advice you'd like to give for someone that you really love, the best advice you give, second would be, okay, you're on your deathbed. What would you like to have made? What decision would you like to have made? Okay, you're dead, now you're being judged by Jesus Christ. For me, as a no-brainer, I become a priest. No-brainer, no-brainer, if I'm thinking about this. I have a vocation because if I, I get married, I have maybe eight kids like my, my parents or nine kids, fine. No? There's nine souls. But as a priest, I can touch thousands. Yeah. Thousands in many ways. No? I got the analytics uh, for my YouTube for last year and incredible. I mean, you can preach through YouTube. I got... Two and a half million minutes on YouTube, the people watching. That's a lot. I also have got Facebook. I also have Instagram, too. But I was thinking about that. I had to look at it again. That 2M, what's that? No, no. It's a lot of, a lot of people watching. And especially, I mean, a lay people can do it, but it, a, a priest is giving it, there's more authority. So, uh, you know, when your children are making these decisions, going to college, they, in a certain sense, they have to think about the same thing. Is this going to help me to get to heaven? And may, may this decision I make be instrumental to helping a lot of people to get to heaven. Let's not conform ourselves to the minimum, but let's go for the max. Let's go for the max. The majis. Let's go for the max, right? Okay, then one more step. How do you know what is the right decision? This is what I wasn't planning, but this is really unfolding, right, Mary? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. With proper spiritual direction, you're trying to make this decision. There are, Ignatius gives you three principles. One would be, you're trying to make this decision, college or maybe your marriage partner. Um, first is clarity beyond doubt. It doesn't always work that way. 
But sometimes, yes. For example, when Matthew was called to follow Jesus, Jesus said, follow me. He left. Saul of Tarsus, he fell down, okay, and he got up. He was given clarity beyond doubt that he was called to follow Christ. And that would be a direct intervention of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can do that. A direct intervention of the Holy Spirit. Second would be the interplay of desolation and consolation. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Uh, my, li- my life as a teenager. They're very athletic, but just thinking about going to parties almost made me throw up. And I see that that was a grace because I probably would have gotten into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing myself, I probably would have gotten into trouble. God purposely allowed a certain nausea thinking going to the, the parties. The parties are dangerous. Are, 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 today, they're almost poisonous. But back then, there was still a lot of dangers. So God purposely caused a certain nausea, desolation, to keep me away from possible danger. And I'm just aware of it now. So, Desolation, consolation. Desolation, consolation. And all of us know what that is. Especially if you've done the exercise, you know what that is. You know what desolation is. You know what consolation is too. So you... And yet you have to you have to have spiritual direction to be able to interpret this. You can't do it by yourself. Often people will come to me. They'll 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 recount an experience for me, and I'll say, "Where does that come from?" Never thought about. It. You think it come from the good spirit or the bad spirit? Ah. Yeah. Okay. That one. Yeah. Never thought about the father. Yeah. It come from the bad spirit. Reject it. Reject it. Then the third would be it's called preponderance of ideas. Preponderance of ideas would be you get out a blank sheet and you put the pros and cons. The pros, what, what is positive, the cons, what would be negative about that. Yeah, the pros and cons once again. So that that you know, if 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 you follow this with your kids, I mean, maybe I'm being a little bit complicated. If you follow these steps, you will help your children to make the right decision in these areas. I mean, it's a little bit long, but it's the most important decision in their life. How often you just rush into it because you feel like doing it, but you don't use your reason before, and then you pay the consequences. No. Yes. I'm sorry. Going back to the interplay of desolation and consolation, yeah. consolation uh, is that to assume that if you're assuming one position or the other and you have desolation, that's the, you know, you should say no, and if it's consolation, you say yes? Yeah. But yeah, I would say also to, to run that by a director, you know, run it by a director to, to be able to discern it with you. Because we all have blind spots, and 
most lay, most lay people, you good lay people, you're not really trained that well in understanding, interpreting these rules for discernment. We as oblates, that's our charism. No? The best of taught Father Tim Gallagher, he used to be my spiritual director, so we're pretty well trained in these rules for discernment. Like if I talk about desolation, consolation, even your little daughter understands it. She will. Mommy feels sad at times, sometimes feel happy. Well, what brought on your sadness? Well, I don't know. No, I punched my brother. Oh, well, you see the reason why. Right? I feel really happy. Why? Well, you you went to Mass and received Holy Communion. You prayed the Rosary and you feel joy. Ah, that's the reason why, you see. You can apply... I can give this course to children and the teenagers too. So the interplay of desolation, consolation, everyone understands it. But most people don't know what to do when they're in the state of desolation. That's the problem. Okay, why do so many people, young people, commit suicide today? It's high. Never been higher. You're going to say the pandemic, okay, maybe. But they're in desolation. They don't know what to do. No, but when you're in your state of desolation, Ignatius gives you, he tells you what you have to do, what not to do. One thing he says is when you're in desolation, find someone that you trust and just unload. That's one of the chief works of the priest. Someone's in desolation, profound desolation, come in and just vent. Get it out. Talk it out. Talk it out. Talk it out. Talk it out. Come in my room there. Okay, pound the desk. Pound the desk. Pound the desk. Take my cleaning. Cry. Pound the desk. Kick the wall. You can. <laughs> no, get it out. For me, that's great. I, mean, I usually, I'll, I'll be in silent. I'll be praying sometimes and then the person gets it out. Father, you resolved my problem. Thank you. Ah, never opened my mouth. <laughs> Nor did I intend to. Nor did I intend to. I know this dynamic. I've been around a long, I've been around a long time. Thirty-six years as a priest, a few years under under my belt, huh? That could save the person from making a catastrophic decision. Really, suicide happens. You you cave in in yourself. You feel that you're lost. There's a one on, there's a there's a dead end street. You don't know where to go. And really, the, the person that commits suicide is doing that because he wants to be happy. Yeah. Because he feels that he would be happier not, ex- not existing than existing. Because we're, we're all looking for happiness. We are. Yeah. But I'm saying we all want to be happy. I, my life is such a drag and disaster. It would be better if I didn't exist. Of course, that's the devil behind that. The devil is convincing the person better not to exist than to live such a catastrophic, disastrous life that I'm living. But we know we have the virtue of hope. Once Adrian Rogers, a famous Baptist minister, said this, think about the worst time you've ever had in your life. Multiply that a thousand times. Is that a big problem for God? 
I like that. I heard this from a Protestant minister. I like that. I repeat, think about the worst time in your life. Multiply that a thousand times. Is that a big problem for God? It's not. God could resolve your your most serious problem just like that. And often he will. Often he will. That's called the virtue of hope and trust. God has allowed us to get into a certain situation. He can pull us out of it. He can dissipate the desolation just like that. Once I was in the, in the airport in, in New Hampshire at about 6.30 in the morning and there was a dense mist, Yablina, mist over the, over the city. I said, we're not going to, I'm not going to get back to L.A. That, that, that mist, they're not going to take off. The pilot said, don't worry, don't worry. The mist will dissipate in a matter of a couple of seconds and we'll take off on time. Hey, baloney. No. And what happened was the, the sun came out and the mist disappeared in a second. Oh. Yeah. When you got a mist and you're exposed to the sun, it disappears just like that. And I use that as an analogy for, for desolation. We can be in desolation where, the, where it's very dense and all of a sudden God intervenes and he dissipates just like that. Remember one occasion I was going through a, a profound desolation and God used this to get me out of it. Some person said some kind word to me. It disappeared right away. And I was in consolation for 24 hours. Just a, just a kind word that someone said to me. <laughs> really. Just a, and this person was not even aware that I was in desolation. said a kind word to me. I don't remember what it was. But it, it, it just pulled me out of desolation and put me up on the top of the mountain. We're not aware of what our words do to people. Now, sometimes the other way around. Someone says something, they hammer us. They go like a hammer blow. <laughs> so I think we should be aware of what we, that our words and acts, they do have an influence on us. And your mothers here, studies prove that the atmosphere of your home depends upon the mom. If you're joyful, you're upbeat, you're happy, you've got a smile on your face, your children are going to be happy. And I'm not denigrating the men, okay? No. But really, there are studies showing when the mom is upbeat, she's happy, she's got a good kind word, no? I don't, I, I don't remember my mom ever being depressed. I don't. Do you know my mom had five teenagers at the same time? Can you imagine that? <laughs> Vicky was 13, Mike was 19. Uh, yeah, I think with five, yeah. Today's one of my brother's birthdays. Yesterday was another brother's birthday. A, 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 a day, a day and a year, a, a, it was one year and one day apart. My older brother, I'm an Irish twin. So once we hit March, once we hit February, I'm the same age, same age as my brother. <laughs> for a month and then he passed me for 11 months huh? but I, I don't rem I don't remember I remember her 
ever being depressed. And I once asked, asked her, Mom, did you go through postpartum post partum, uh, depression? She said, that didn't exa- is it exist back then, no? <laughs> and she said, I didn't have t- enough time to think about myself. <laughs> Barely enough time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I don't matter, kid after kid after kid. I, huh? Where, where am I going to hide? No, head in the bathroom. They're going to be knocking at the door to get pull me out anyway. <laughs> so maybe, maybe, uh, maybe utilize those steps I've given to you to help your children to make their the most important decisions in their life. No? College they're going to go to, high school they're going to go to. Uh, their their future profession, their vocation. These are monu- monumental decisions that most parents take. They, they, they take it uh, with a grain of salt. They don't take it seriously, whereas you should. For me to arrive at the, the day and the moment to decide that I was going to become a priest and an obli- it was huge. It was hard. Should have become a diocesan priest. I mean, I love John Bosco. I wanted to be a Salesian. You know, well, you know, maybe should be a missionary, Columban, and it wasn't. It wasn't easy. So I had to go through a long process of discernment, consulting spiritual directors and my parents. You no, know, because I recognize once I make that decision, my whole life is going to be depend upon making that decision. What my vocation? I took it very seriously. Very seriously. But everyone should, not just me. Everyone should. So, to give a, a brief summary, the decision should be, how can your son or daughter glorify God? How can your son or daughter get to heaven? How can your son or daughter help other people to get to heaven? In a nutshell, that's what it is. And that's Ignatius. Right, Mary? Yes. How can we glorify God most? Right, Imelda? How can we glorify God most? How can I get to heaven most? And how can I bring a lot of people to heaven? Yeah. So I think it's a, it's all your, all your fault. You got me talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I gave you a course on, on mystical, Thomistic, Ignatian. Thank you very much for opening up the door. <laughs> I think it was a good sidetrack, right? No? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to our worksheet. What number are we on, by the way? Okay. So, okay, I think we finished that, right? We gave the different. Oh, sadness would be from hell. Okay, yeah. He saves us from hell too. There was a young man, a helper catechist, who was walking toward his class at about 4.30, and he was carrying a book. And the name of the book was Hell, uh, by Shoup, book on hell. Have you seen it? It's a good book. It's probably one of the best books on hell. And it's scary. And I said to him, that book, 
pet book is going to scare the hell out of you so you don't go to hell. No. <laughs> Excuse my New York English. No? It is kind of scary though, but it, the fear of the Lord, right, is the beginning of wisdom. You mentioned that gift, right? Fear of the Lord. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Patrick Madrid, any of you? Yes. He had a sister, came from a big family, a sister, and as a Christmas gift, he gave that book on hell to all the members in his family as a Christmas gift. <laughs> and he gave it to one of his sisters that was far away from the church. And she got really angry at him, but she read it and she was converted. He got angry because she knew he, he was directing that to her more than anyone else. But she read it and it, it, it scared her, the reality of hell, and she decided it gets to come back to the church. Yeah, so sometimes it's a good idea to give people hell, huh? <laughs> Father, Father Benedict Rochelle told the story of this. Uh, Filthy rich man that never helped out the poor people. So he dies and he goes before St. Peter and St. Peter says, you're not going to go to heaven because you never helped out the poor people. You know this story? Yes. Oh, oh I did? Okay, well, I'll finish it. Well, he arrives and he says to Peter, well, I, there was a guy knocking at the door and um, I gave him a quarter. So St. Peter didn't know what to do. She said, Mike, come here. So St. Michael, the archangel, comes and says, um, Peter says, what did I do with this? He did give 25 cents to the poor. So St. Michael, the archangel, says, give him back the cord and tell him to go to hell. <laughs> I was telling Deacon Jonas when we have a collection, we don't want to hear jingles we want to hear ruffles right <laughs> boy father broom boy you know that i'd open up those pockets huh? the guy pe uh, preached uh, preaching a mission appeal he said good news and bad news there's a lot of money in this parish but bad news i don't know how to get it out of your pockets <laughs> So the meaning of that town, <clears throat> Bethlehem, it means house of bread. Bethlehem, right? It means house of bread. <clears throat> one of my students today knew it. One of the one of the thirty, no? Remember Mary? One of them, no? Thomas, Tomas. No? I think they're very appropriate. House of bread, is that related to John chapter 6? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever eats my body and drinks my blood. So he who was born in the house of bread said he is the bread of life. Huh? Good connection, huh? Yeah. Right? Okay, let's go, let's go with that word. Do you know what manger means? In, yeah. In in in, uh, in in French, you speak French, right? Manger. Manger means comer. Okay, manger, manger. 
Jemanje, Jemanje, if you speak Spanish, French, Jemanje means I ate, I ate. Say, manger, that's the English way of, of saying manje. So that's where Jesus was placed on an eating trough of animals. How about that? In Italian, it's called mangiatoia. No? All right. A little bit of vocabulary, right, Rick? Who were among the first to visit the infant Jesus? Shepherds. Okay, what do they teach us? They teach us these lessons. The importance of silence. Silence. Simplicity. And detachment from material things. How about that? Silence. Silence, implicit in detachment from material things. Do you relish silence? Uh, modern world is kind of afraid of silence. I like what Pope Paul VI says. We live in a world in which there's, are you ready now? A cacophony of strident protests. How about that for English, huh? A cacophony of strident protests. You know what cacophony means? Cacophony is just a lot of noise, right? Strident, strong protest. This is back in the 60s. It got, got much worse. Cardinal Sarah wrote a really good book on silence a few years back. That cardinal from, uh, from Africa. No? They said this to your kids today in the class, and I think I threw them curveball, they were not expecting it, but silence. Jesus was born in the silent stable of Bethlehem. Albert Einstein's theory of relativity, Albert Einstein, that was discovered in silence. Macbeth, Othello, King Lear, Romeo and Juliet, did he, did, he, did he write that listening to the Beatles? Uh-oh. They weren't born yet, were they? How about Dante's The Divine Comedy? Silence. And the greatest theological work in the history of the world was written by your friend, Thomas Aquinas. The Summa Theologica. Silence. Who was the greatest communicator of last century? The two greatest communicators of last century. And? Fulton Sheen and, and JP2. Did they have any silence in their lives? You ever hear the holy hour? You ever hear the holy hour? Was that done in silence? Yeah. 
I heard, I read that John Paul II usually spent the whole morning praying, reading, and studying. Like the whole morning. You'd think someone so active as this Pope would probably be spending, you know, praying a little bit, then he's on the move. But he spent a good, t- good part of his time praying and reading and meditating. So ask yourself, how do you deal with silence? No? Because they were these shepherds, they were they were, they were in silence, right? And ask yourself, what about simplicity? Are you simple, or do you have a cluttered life? Hello. Do you have a cluttered life? Probably. Maybe before Christmas a good idea to do some decluttering. Maybe we have our lives are too complicated. Be a little bit more simple. No? more simple. You know, look at the church. For almost every man, you've got five or six women, right? Women tend to be more complicated than men, I'll tell you. Yes? Yes. <laughs> Your wife didn't hear that, did she? No. <laughs> Normally, they're more prayerful, they're more spiritual, they're more mystical, they're more contemplative, but they're more complicated, too. <laughs> so I gave you a five or six compliment, but I also said, look. <laughs> so, let's learn from the shepherds, huh? So another group came to visit the Jesus. He came to visit Jesus. Was that right? Okay. The uh, Magi. The case today said um, one man said one of my kids said uh, the the three wise men. I said, did you say the three wise men or the three wise guys? No. (laughs) He said, the wise guys or the wise men? Yes. What did the Magi come from? Well, according to tradition from, from, from the East, commentators would say from Persia. Okay. It's not a, it's not written in the gospel, but many think from, from Persia. And they were um, they were astronomers in which they were studying the the stars. They were not superstitious, as you think about a, astrology today. Usually, as a connotation, people that are reading the tarot cards and looking at the crystal ball. They're palm readers, no. So someone that is studying the the natural elements as a means by which to arrive at God. 
Even Thomas Aquinas gives us the proofs for the existence of God by looking at nature. Hmm? Cause and effect, contingency, maybe remember those different arguments Aquinas uses to, to prove God's existence by pure reason. If there's an effect, there has to be a cause. Hmm? Um, so uh, they they follow they follow the stars and um, apparently God had God had given them an interior light to look up at the star and to follow it and that would lead them and they don't it's interesting they don't arrive right away they they arrive at, at Herod's palace first which is one of the most cruel men in the Bible killing killing babies, killing his relatives. I mean, Herod was, he was almost incarnate of evil. So they end up, the palace of King Herod, and they said, where's the newborn king? And he was thrown into total confusion. And he consults his experts, and they say he's going to be in Bethlehem. He sends them off and says, when you find him, the infant child, come back and tell him so I can go to adore him also. His intention was to kill him, which he killed all the infant boys. But St. Joseph had a dream, got up and took took the child Jesus with Mary into Egypt until Herod died. You think about the birth of Christ, uh, there's a lot of suffering involved. No? Imagine you mothers traveling on a donkey when you're nine months pregnant, okay? Imagine. Then when you arrive, finally, you think that there's going to be some type of place where you have a baby. There's no place for you. And then your, your baby can be born in a stable for animals. Sheen says the creator of the universe had nowhere to be born in his own creation. I mean, a lot of suffering. And I think we have, we have a somewhat of a sentimental saccharine, sweet, romantic vision of, of, of the birth of Christ, it was tough. Here you have the, the creator of the whole universe who had nowhere to be born in his own creation. Let me tell you among the saddest words in sacred scripture. You want to hear them? There's no room for him in the end. I told your kids today, not for us. Welcome Jesus, welcome Jesus, welcome Jesus, welcome Jesus. Welcome, I'm always going to have my home open to receive you. Amen? Amen. You too. Welcome Jesus. Whenever you want to come, my heart is open. 24-7. No time, no place, no circumstance in which I don't want to have my heart open to you. That's Christmas. Amen? That's the meaning of Christmas. All right. Well, I might as well might as well throw this out at you. Traditionally, they give the three names of the uh, of the wise men. Do you know the three names of the wise men? Melchor, Gaspar, and Pantufash. In Spanish. Good. Yeah, you got it in Spanish. In English, it'd be okay. Balthasar. It's almost the same. 
Okay, Melchor, yeah, I think you're almost saying the same way, Melchor. And then uh, Gaspar, Gaspar. Those are the, you know, you don't find that in sacred scripture, but those are three names that uh, we have, no? Jose, hoping this Padakrista, we had Balthazar and uh, Melchor. Remember about 15 years ago? And I think a Gaspar. I think hoping this Padakrista, we had three three guys that had that, those names. Maybe 15 years ago, right when you were coming in, no? Father Greg Staub, who passed away, he taught catechism. Um, one class. You know who he had in his class? He had. Um, I, I won't tell you. Should I? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he had a, a kid. It was a tough class. Uh, one's name was Fidel. The other one was Adolfo. The other one was, was, was Stalin. Well, in his class, these little kids, I couldn't believe it. Got Fidel Castro, Adolfo Hitler, and then the first his first name was Stalin. And I gave that class to Father Greg. You can deal with that. What a motley crew of individuals, huh? <laughs> I just hope when your kids are being confirmed, they're not going to choose those three names, no? <laughs> okay, what led them to Jesus would be the star. <clears throat> the 11 interpretation for us would be Allow the beauty of creation to bring you to the beauty of the Creator. Yeah. Oh, that's well said. No? Yeah. How about that? Allow the beauty of the cre- of creation to bring you to the beauty of the Creator. Sure, if I said the last night with the kids, I think I said it today. Yeah, to the kids is, um, <clears throat> you know what you might do on vacation? Take your kids on a nature walk. No, really, but with no phone. With no phone, take them on a nature walk on their own vacation, a day when it's going to be a little bit warmer, maybe. Usually in California, by eleven o'clock, it's nice out. No. And um, I was not brought up and raised in Southern California, but I've been here for many years. He got two two of the most beautiful natural um, habitats in the country. If you go, if you travel a half half hour north, you got the San Gabriel Mountains where Mary was brought up and raised. If you go to the south, you run into the ocean, right? Now do that. Take a couple hours, maybe a morning or an afternoon, where you just walk, maybe climbing the mountains. No? And given that we live in a city, we're not accustomed to that. 
And that's a gateway by which they can arrive at God. Through the beauty of creation, we arrive at the Creator. Yeah, they'll complain, but uh, phones, no. For the, oh, this morning, no phone. No phone. It would be a great idea to get more than one kid. When you're walking, okay, af afterward, sit down, we're having maybe a picnic. What in this nature walk seemed to touch you most? And how does that maybe, okay, take it one more step, how does that lift up your mind to God? Probably, well, you live in a big city like this. Say, we're not exposed to nature. I was in the seminary. It was the loudest place in the world. I'll tell you. Rome. The Via Casalina. The southern part of Rome. There was right near the Fiumicino, which is the airport, the Roman airport. Biggest airport in Italy. Planes every 20 minutes going over your head. Right next to us, we have the trains. Next to the trains, a busy road. On the sidewalk, mopeds. Oh. You know what a moped is? Like a little motorcycle. They blow your eardrums out. <laughs> then we had the phones, the loudspeakers, the kids in the courtyard playing playing soccer, you know? and a roommate that snored. I mean, it was. Uh, <laughs> I am. It's a miracle that I'm not deaf now. Four years of that, huh? Wow. <laughs> How I survived it was only the, the, the protection of the Blessed Mother. No? <laughs> and, uh, it wasn't a piece of cake. But I just rolled to the punch. This is the way life is. Put up with it, no? <laughs> and it was a type of Hawaiian garden section of Rome, kind of a lower place. You got kind of the gang members, a lot of lousy, lousy, called a pinetto, no? <laughs> but I survived. I'm still alive. <laughs> I appreciate silence now, I tell you. A <laughs> wine garden was like a paradise, no? <laughs> okay, then. Um, so what were okay? What were the three gifts? You don't remember, huh? Gold, what? Frankincense and... Okay, there you have the gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we turn over the page. Let's give the interpretation. Gold. Now, these are three gifts that depict three different facets of who Christ is. If you understand this, and your kids understand, when you look at those three kings in the statues, it has much more meaning. 
Otherwise, you know, look at those three funny-looking guys, the way they're dressed. That's what you think. You want to go beyond the funny-looking dress guys with the funny hats on, no? And go beyond that, huh? Okay, gold is because Jesus is the king of kings. He's the king of kings. Can you? Can you? A king has gold. Okay. Frankincense. Some of you have seen. Some of you have seen us use the incense in the mass, right? Special masses. Like for Our Lady Guadalupe, we had incense. Uh, I love incense. Father Dave has got allergies, so he kind of. Ah, I cannot get enough incense. I love the smoke going up. I think we're probably going to come to call the fireman one day. No? I just, I like that smoke. I like the smell. I like the aroma. I like the mystical milieu that it creates. <laughs> so what it symbolizes is that white smoke ascending on high. It symbolizes prayer going up. Yeah, the white smoke is going up and up and up and up. Our prayers go up to heaven. And it also, if you have a funeral mass, is symbolic of the soul of the person going up through our prayers. When I do funerals, I always say that. That smoke going up, our prayers are lifting up Juanito so that he'll get a, go from purgatory up to heaven. So that uh, the incense represents the divinity of Christ. That he's God. He's king, but he's also God. Now what about the myrrh? The myrrh was a certain ointment that they'd place on the dead body. The dead. So that points to the humanity of Christ. That Christ was also a man. So if you want three words to summarize in a very succinct, concise fashion, it points to the royalty of Christ, the divinity of Christ, and the humanity of Christ. You like that? I have a way of summarizing concepts, huh? <laughs> The royalty means he's a king. The divinity, he's God. And the humanity, he's, he's, he's a man. I was going to say, what a gift to, to give to an infant. Yeah, it's, very good point. Now, St. Ignatius says when Jesus is born, already pointing to his death, that he's going to die on the cross to save us. Because his incarnation... The two bookends is the incarnation is Christmas and the other bookend, passion, death and resurrection. You should never you never forget that without Good Friday there's no Easter Sunday. But we don't stop at the cross. We go from the cross to the glory. Well, I have to tell you this story. Did I ever tell you my the experience my father had as an altar boy. Can I tell you this? Okay. 
This is back in the 40s. Or maybe even the 30s. My dad was born in 1928. Late 30s, yeah, late 30s, 40s. He was an altar boy when the Mass was in Latin. And he served a Jesuit priest at the Jesu in Detroit because we're from, from Michigan. No? And he was serving this old German priest and there was incense. He had the incense pot and uh, really getting hot because you get coals there. You better put it down. They're going to get burnt. So the, the priest was waiting for my father to give him the incense pot. So he he actually chanted, the priest said, Where's the boy with the incense pot? And my dad chimed out, I had to drop it, it was too darn hot. <laughs> That's broom vintage. You know? <laughs> yeah. We come together with my family, have what's called Room vintage, our, our 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 stories that we have in common. <laughs> Where's a boy with the incense pot? Ah, the drop of his tomb darn hot. <laughs> so Christmas. Do you know what Natale means? You have girls that are Natalie. That's the Italian for Christmas. Natale. Navidad is Spanish. Noel would be the, the French. Whereas in English, this is an English class, Christmas. Christmas is a compound word. Compound, if you know your grammar well. There are two parts. It's not a simple word, a monosyllabic word, but it's a compound word. Okay? Christmas. What it means, the Mass of Christ. How about that? Christmas, the Mass of Christ. Hey, put that fellow feather in your hat, huh? <laughs> Learn something new every day, huh? Christ Mass. The Mass of Christ. Of all languages, I think the English language is best in that. The Mass of Christ. Hmm? Natal is Italian for, for birth. Hmm? Okay, so Christmas is related to the Mass that we're going to be going to on Christmas Eve. I hope, or at least Christmas Day. How can Jesus be born in my heart? Okay, but I guess something even better. How about going going to Mass and receiving Holy Communion? What do you think? Ask him fine, but you receive him in Holy Communion, he's being born in your heart. Typical, the typical um, Christmas hymns. One of the most famous that be in the top five will be Little House of Bethlehem. You're looking at me as if you've never heard it before. Okay? But in English, it's about the most famous one ever. Little House of Bethlehem. 
Spanish called Noche de Paz, but in English we say Little House of Bethlehem. Changing the focus. Do you know where the Little House of Bethlehem is? I'll celebrate in your heart. Right here. Right here. This is where the Little House of Bethlehem, your heart, your soul, is the Little House of Bethlehem. Hopefully you're never going to say there's no room for you tonight. Never say that. But rather, come Lord Jesus. Come, come, come Lord Jesus. It's your home. Your soul is a little house where Christ wants to live. So he, he's, born every, he's born every time you receive community being born in the depths of your heart. Try to give him a warm welcome. Yeah. Give him a warm welcome. Were any of you ever brought up with the English etiquette? Know what that is? When we had guests as a kid, the English etiquette, eh, <laughs> no baloney. We'd have to, they're coming on Sunday, the whole Saturday we'd have to work and to scrub and clean the rugs and simonize the car and clean the bathroom tiles, buy the best food. It was a real ordeal. I hated it. Nope. <laughs> I had to take a bath the night before I didn't like to take a bath. I don't like to take a bath. No. Ah. But really, my parents took very... We had guests. It was a big deal. Welcome them hors d'oeuvres, a special wine. Okay, then things are going to be sitting down the table and then the meal and then the dirt. And, I mean, it was a... I hated it. No. But I liked the fact that there was usually leftover food. No. <laughs> well, we should have that English etiquette every time we receive Holy Communion. Right? We're going to receive the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. The better the preparation, the more the grace is, huh? Amen? Amen. <laughs> How can I clean my own interior Bethlehem? No, no, speak at the same time. <laughs> Good confession, yeah. I got it now. Clean sweep with broom. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> got you there. For, uh, for about six years, I gave a retreat to La Sierras de Maria. Know them, those nuns? Really great nuns, Sierras de Maria. Most come from Mexico and they work in hospitals. Mary, you worked with them, right? Tra providing transportation. And some came to help out Father Antolini when he was uh, going through a tough time. Th their charism is to help people that are dying to die with dignity, dignity and peace. So some of them are nurses, but spend the whole night with those who are about to die. So they asked me to give them a retreat and I ended up giving them five in a row, five years in a row, no? 
Up in Ox- Oxnard, they've got the house. You know where Oxnard is? Up there near Camarillo? So I remember the first time I went, uh, I, when I go in new houses, I get lost. I just don't have that orientation. So I finished my first talk. It was in the chapel. And next to the chapel, there was my room. But there was another room, too. So the nuns were looking at me. I made a, a mistake. I went into the wrong room. It was a, a broom closet. <laughs> I said, I'm going exactly where I should be. My name is Father Broom. Where's the broom closet? Here I am. <laughs> to be faithful to my charism, huh? <laughs> This priest is crazy. <laughs> How is he going to direct us to retreat? He can't even get in his bedroom. <laughs> I think I made the mistake one more time, and that was enough. <laughs> so, good confession. What are what are other feast day feasts in um, in the Christmas season? Now you got the Christmas. But they have the whole Christmas season, which is about two and a half weeks. Yes. Thinking holy innocence. Um, yes, but how about like uh, solemnities? Uh, yeah, you, oh, you can St. John, St. Stephen too. Well, would, one would be Holy Family. Holy Family. Holy Family is a, there's a church right down the street. Holy Family, right? Mm-hmm. Second would be Mary, Mother of God. That's January 1st. And the third would be the Epiphany, which traditionally has been um, January 6th, but it changes. So you got those are the three principal uh, Christmas feast days. We end Christmas season with the baptism of the Lord. And we enter into ordinary time, up until Lent, Ash Wednesday. All right, so write down three gifts that you can that you're going to give to Jesus for his birthday. Well, I, I, let's start with let's start with the greatest. Try to go to daily mass when you can. And bring your kids. They're on vacation. And daily mass. I think you, most of you could probably go at least half the time if you organize yourself well. You got one at 6 o'clock in the morning, 8 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 6. How many churches offer you four to five masses a day? And then you got a confirmation mass, first communion mass, now you got a funeral, and then you're, you're, you're spoiled. Chiquiado, you're spoiled. <laughs> now, what... Juan, Juan Diego, I preached on him for Our Lady Guadalupe. No, Juan Diego, 14 miles walking. Oh, yeah, 14 miles. Last time I walked 14 miles was in New Hampshire about three years ago. I hit the, I hit the hills. And I, I, I put on the wrong shoes and the wrong socks. Man, I got bliss, bloody blisters on my feet. I couldn't walk for about two days afterward. No? You ever walk 14 miles? The hills in New Hampshire. Whew. This guy's walking 14 miles. He's 57 years old, older than you probably. You know? 
And it wasn't a paved sidewalk that we have in, in California. What do you have? You got hills, you got scorpions, you got rose bushes, you got stones, you got bandits along the way. It wasn't a piece of cake. But if you're walking 14 miles to receive Christ, 14,000 miles should not be enough to encounter Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, the, the second uh, would be Well, make sure you pray the rosary every day. Amen? Amen. You know, Matt, we can find the time to pray the rosary. Today I had to go to uh, <clears throat> La Palma to visit a lady that's dying. So, uh, okay, I'm in my car. Going near Knott's Berry Farm, a lot of traffic, man. You ever drive in that area? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, okay. I prayed a rosary on the way there, a rosary on the way back. Was it the most concentrated rosary in the world? No, but at least I prayed a couple of rosaries. 15 minutes there, 15 minutes back. You know, if, we, if we find, if we, there, there, there are certain times in the day when we can pray it. I think it's a good idea that if you can pray with your family. Right before dinner, not after. And if you do it right before, after now there's too much confusion. Pots and pans and you're bloated. And, you know, you know, <laughs> sometimes, right? <laughs> Better to eat with a little bit of fasting, right? No? Yeah, no, but, but, uh, but a quick rosary. No, I want to pray the litany. I want to pray another this, this prayer. This, no, uh, 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 a New York pace. Okay, the clip. <laughs> Father Larry takes him 18 minutes. Me takes 13 and a half. No, <laughs> I'm a New Yorker. New York. There you have the story. There's a little boy in New York, and he was said to the to the sister. It was not. He said, sister. Look at the Boyd. Know what a Boyd is? Look at the Boyd. Look at the Boyd in the tree over there, sister. Look at the Boyd. Johnny, that's not a Boyd. It's a bird. It certainly chirps like a Boyd. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to teach her to speak English with a New York accent. <laughs> you can speak with a Philippine. I can speak with a New York accent, no? Okay, letter C would be letter C would be um, maybe see during the Christmas break to see a, a good maybe a good movie related to Christmas. I I mean if you want a suggestion uh, the Christ. Christmas Carol, uh, being an English major, I know a little bit about this. The greatest novelist in the 19th century was Charles Dickens, okay? You've probably heard of him, okay? David Copperfield and Oliver Twist. But 
I'd say the greatest would be the, the Christmas Carol, the movie, is a novel by Charles Dickens. First it was a novel, and then they probably made ten different versions of it. No? Another one I would suggest for your kids maybe would be, well, A Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart. Ever seen it? That's probably of the top five most famous films in the United States. Surprised you never heard of it. He's going to be showing Mary in the... He'll be showing at Edwards Cinema next week, I think Sunday and Wednesday night. It's a special showing of that movie, that the old original movie yeah. with Jimmy Stewart. So the, Sunday, Edwards Cinema. Yeah. It's 7 o'clock, but double check. Edwards Cinema Sunday. Yeah. Night and Wednesday night. Yeah. Wonderful Love with Jimmy Stewart. It came out in 1940. I say it's in, in the top five most famous films. It's a classic. A cla the other day, my, I, I like literature. I'm, we went to see The Kill a Mockingbird the other day. I mean, no, nothing wrong with good classical literature, too, right? So Written by Harper Lee and, and Gregory Peck, who's actually buried in the cathedral... As a good Catholic, he was a principal actor in The Kill a Mockingbird. No? Mm -hmm. yep. Keep checking the Edward Stone regularly yeah. because they have these, these yeah. classics all the time. And we also had, we, we, we saw uh, Ch Chosen has been there for about two months. I mentioned that before. Three. And we're planning with your kids, with Brother or Deacon Jonas, three days after Christmas, to have your kids come for three days in a row. They're going to see that movie. We'll give them a snack. They're going to share guided prayer in the Mass. Like the idea? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. Already planning that. So, so that your kids can finally have an encounter with Christ. Because face your kids, I don't think of the vacation they're going to be reading, reading Aristotle in Greek and Cicero in Latin. Probably not, no? But seeing something with images. Face the kids, they don't like to read today. Most of them. Hopefully they do. But the world of the images, and by means of that, they have have them to connect with Christ as a real person. Okay, it's a good class tonight. Yeah, yes, let's say the Hail Mary, and I'll give you my my blessing. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. So Imelda. There is a class next week, right? Tuesday we'll have our last class. The Tuesday we'll have our last class, okay? So God bless and we'll see you on Sunday and see you next week, okay? Thank you.